0: You start walking in a field of tall grass on day one and trample the grass enough that it starts a path. Eventually, you walk this path every day. The path becomes a bit muddy. Eventually, you lay down some pavers and the path is more permanent. This is how your brain works. I'm Curtis. My pal over there is Joe, and we are Dudes in Progress.
1: you do. what's shaking my friend i'm having fun here on a saturday morning what a great analogy what a great analogy to, to lay down pavement and build on what you've already done is how our brain works huh yeah do you recognize where i got that little story from <laughs> i do that's from my my resource last week video from i don't even remember her name now i wrote it down but but the neuro, the neurologist, yeah. neuroscientist. Right. Yeah. She's pretty amazing, man. She's pretty amazing. Well, it was funny. It's interesting how Joe and I think alike sometimes or
0: some synchronicity we have at times. It's always funny when it happens. But Joe mentioned her name is Tara Swart Bieber, Dr. Tara Swart Bieber. And just coincidentally, before you had mentioned that to me last week, I was somehow in my YouTube travels, came across an interview with her. And That's then when funny. you gave that as a resource, I, and I was just thinking, I wonder if it's the same person.
1: Sure enough, it was. I, I know her. I know that name. That's funny.
0: <laughs> yep. That's how it works, right? I know it. Maybe it's partly YouTube
1: bringing her up to the t- cream of the crop. I guess if you're looking for a certain subject matter and she's prominent in that subject, she's bound to creep up there, right? Mm. She's probably got a good headliner too that tracks her eyes. And plus, we kind of think the same way in some subjects. Uh so we are, I'm sure our algorithms. particular act is kicking in. <laughs> yeah, it's this one I was watching, she
0: threw out a term there I'd never heard before called neuroplasticity. Had you heard of that before?
1: I have. Okay. I have. Yep. Yeah.
0: So I looked it up. It's also known as brain plasticity, neuroplasticity refers to the brain's remarkable ability to adapt, reorganize and change its structure and function throughout an individual's life. The brain's ability to modify its connections, neural pathways and synapses in response to learning experiences, environmental influences, injury or development. Yeah, the topic yeah. I want to get into and the reason I I'm going to tie this together we were covering the law of attraction and I enjoyed your six points you made or wanted to review that were not
1: related to the mystical, new, mystical parts of law of attraction. Yeah. And that's important to me, Kurt. I'm not trying to discount those things in life that we can't see or that we can't quite explain, but I would rather ground my actions and thoughts in the scientific realm. Mm and quite honestly and we can have this subject at another time and we've probably talked about it somebody might say you don't base your you don't base your thoughts and your faith on science and i would say to that yeah i do and we can have that conversation because there's a lot of scientific aspects to faith so i'll just leave mm-hmm. it at that and we were also
0: both in agreement that there are times when you're reviewing the materials on law of attraction they don't emphasize the actions you got to take. And we both believe that is part of success is the actions that you take. But what I wanted to cover, okay, if we know taking action is the key, why don't we? What are those self-limiting beliefs that get in the way of us taking action? I'm going to give you a list of them and I'm going to cover three of them. And Joe's going to cover three of his from this list in the next episode. But I think what's really important in this whole thing too is our beliefs. So I want to talk about our beliefs and how it impacts our lives and to review those. But going back to the doctor's point about how our brain has this ability to adapt, reorganize, you ever think, and we were just having a fun conversation with our good old friend Clay. And it's interesting that he hopped on this week because we haven't seen him in a couple of months. And He's so inspiring because he's in his seventies and he's never stopped working and thinking, creating things. He's so fascinating.
1: Just it's think, interesting yeah. about Clay because he's not only never stopped working, I don't know if you and I talked about this or not, but there are, have you ever worked with somebody that's been with at a place for a long time and they have a lot of quote unquote experience? Okay. So when you, there's two ways to look at experience. The first way is, That person has 20 years of experience, which means he's grown and learned and developed and tried new things and went outside of his comfort zone and repeated that process, Grown, learned and developed for 20 years. He has 20 years of experience. And then you have the person that has one year of experience, just repeat it 20 times. Do you see the difference? Yeah, where... They've, yeah, they're not expanding the horizons much. They're just, they're doing the same thing they did 20 years ago. Yeah. They just repeated it 20 times. Mm. Clay is the first person. Clay, Clay has been in the same industry for decades, a long time. Right. But he continues to grow and innovate and try new ideas. He just got his FAA drone license to help his business inspect homes. It's awesome, man. We can certainly learn from that. Again, serendipity,
0: he comes on and starts, the first thing he starts talking about that. Yeah, there's so many lessons from that related to this neuroplasticity. He was talking about when he was, he's decided to get into drones and to learn them. And he's not a technical person. He'll tell you over and over again. So I just said to him, boy, Clay, when you sat down and started to train and learn, you were completely lost at the very beginning, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. He had no idea that first, whatever week, let's whatever it was, how long it took when you're trying to learn something new. And she and the interviewer, both were talking about learning a foreign language. Have you ever tried to learn something, Joe, that first day training class, first hour of class, you are just so lost. You don't have the slightest
1: idea what's going on. Absolutely. You're lost. You're drained. You're exhausted. You, your mind is mush. You feel like giving up. You think I'm never going to get this. This is way too complicated. Mm. All those emotions.
0: Even in a simple thing, like we talk about this, my friends at Disney World, they'll come up with this new attraction. They have this guardians of the galaxy attraction and you go on it the first time. There's so much, so many things coming at you. Your brain just can't absorb it all. And you're like, what just happened? You get off that thing. The Ratatouille ride is very similar to that too. It's a fast moving, a lot of 3D images coming at you. And I've learned, and I've talked about this with people. Don't let that first experience discourage you because it's amazing. Even the second and the third, and they're very known for, and movies are sometimes like this. You watch something the second or third or fourth time, some of those movies you really like, and You've, your brain has already trained itself on the things you remember, but then something else will happen. You go, I don't remember ever seeing that before. Yeah. Neuroplasticity. And again, relating it back to Clay, he worked at it and he was so determined that he got this FAA license and he's going to use it. He's working still in the chimney repair area and with drones, amazing technology. I was just thinking that I had a tree Joe fall on my house, at least a limb right above my office here. And I've got sticks and tree remains on top of my roof right now. I do not want to go up on top of that roof at all. I don't like the danger of it all, but think about it for someone who inspects chimneys, what they can do with a drone and not only inspect them and fly around them without going up on the roof, he's getting into thermal imaging. He was talking about how the thermal imaging like after the right. first hour of the sun going down, the way the moisture can be seen during that time. He's so, certainly
1: the inspiration. No doubt about that.
0: Fantastic. But I bring all that up to, I want to talk about your self-limiting beliefs. The things that hinder or get in the way of you taking action and achieving your goals, Joe. Because when you I totally agree with you taking action, but I'm thinking, okay, then why don't we get on with it? What stops us? So I I found 12 self-limiting beliefs, and I'm going to talk about three of them in more detail today. And Joe, will maybe cover a few more. But some of them are fear of failure, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, negative self-talk, catastrophizing. Did I say that right? I think so. (laughs) Assuming that the worst is possible and the outcome will cause you anxiety, avoidance of taking risks. All or nothing thinking. You talked about this last week, black and white terms, comparison to others, limiting beliefs about money, time scarcity. I don't have enough time. Fear of rejection or criticism, victim mentality, and sunk
1: cost fallacy. Any of those ring to you? I think every single one of them, Kurt, <laughs> the at some level, yeah, I, I experience. Let's, I'm going to give you one more story about how this how this serendipity works with the law of attraction and how things just happen in a weird way. And I have a hard time explaining stuff like this in my scientific desire in my desire to explain the law of attraction in purely scientific terms. Sunk cost fallacy. Now, I probably have not used that term. I've known about it for a long time. I've probably not used that term for over a year. But about 10 years ago. I had a conversation with my daughter, my middle daughter, about sunk cost fallacy. All right. Mm-hmm. And I explained to her what sunk cost fallacy was and how we keep, we shouldn't get caught up in sunk cost fallacy. We're, go ahead. and Just because, because we're talking about sunk cost fallacy, read off the description of sunk cost fallacy, Kurt. Sticking with unproductive or
0: unfilling endeavors because of the time, effort, or resources already invested.
1: Even if they no longer align with your goals, if let's say you have a boyfriend, and this is what I explained to her, a boyfriend, and I used some other analogies, but just because if you've been dating a person for a long time, yeah, you have a lot of emotion invested in that person. You have a lot of time invested in that person. You have a lot of memories invested in that person. That said, if that person isn't bringing you the life that you want, the life direction that you want now. Let me pause here. If if you're married, it's not this easy. I get it, okay? But if you're dating somebody and they're not bringing you the life direction you want, don't get caught up in sunk cost fallacy. Don't get caught up. Don't think that just because you have all this invested in it that you have to stay there. You can move in a different direction. It's the same thing with investments. Just because you've invested money into something, you have to ask yourself, If I had the the cash value of that investment right now, would I make that same investment? If the answer is no, pull your money out and make a different investment. The reason I say that is, is I hadn't used that term in probably a year. My daughter and I were having a conversation last night and she goes, Hey dad, in my psychology paper, I used sunk cost fallacy, the subject that you and I talked about a long time ago. And I said, really, how did you use it? And she explained to me how she used it and I was really proud of her and proud that she remembered our conversation, mm-hmm. proud that I had an impact, and proud that she's including it in her paper. And I found it interesting that she brought up the subject of sunk mm-hmm. cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, this morning when Kurt sends me over his list of subjects to talk about during our show today, <laughs> there it is at the very end, very conspicuous, sunk cost fallacy. In my desire to follow the path where that where, where it's pointing. I probably need to look at sunk cost fallacy. So that's going to be one of mine for next week.
0: Isn't that interesting? I'm telling you, pay attention to these prompts, Joe. That's one of the things we're learning from this conversation, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about a show that I really enjoy watching, and it's all the different iterations of the gold miners. There's a couple of Mm -hmm. different versions of that show. I like them all. But I'm thinking of an episode where, and a lot of these are, not, I want to say part-timers or they're beginners, and this guy and his partner come in and help them make their operation more efficient. And sometimes they'll say, hey, guys, I can't help you make more money if you're not putting gold in the box. In other yeah. words, you get this gold fever, Some of the, one of the problems in gold mining is you think you know where the gold is and you just keep digging and digging and digging and you're getting some, but you're not paying the bills, Mm -hmm. but you're stuck on, you keep digging that hole in the wrong place. And it's interesting. He's very, he's got 30 years of experience of looking at geography, geology and understanding what happened and where the gold probably is deposited and what the kind of material it is. He'll look at one place and go, dude, you are you guys are pulling this material. And right over here, he brings out two hands full and he goes, feel these two. You know, this one is moist and this one isn't. This one is 50 times more producing than the one on the other side. That's funny. That's funny. I was just watching that last night. Yeah. All right. Let me get into my three favorite of these 12 that I just or things that I have issues with. And the first one is negative self-talk. Second one is fear of rejection or criticism and limiting beliefs about money, which is one I've been thinking about in most recently. And we'll talk a little bit more deeply, but negative self-talk. So what I want to get into is, well, that is quite
1: obvious. That's all that. Are you tough on yourself, Joe? I am. Yeah, I am. I uh, my kids tell me that I need to forgive myself more Yeah, and that I need to be kinder to myself. And so I, I know a lot about negative self-talk and I know a lot about the impact that, that I can have just because it is one of those things that I fight with as well. Like I said, I could pick from any of those and hold a guilty <laughs> sign around <laughs> my neck. Yeah. Right. Different levels. I'm surprised by your list, Kurt. I am. Okay. I. We surprise each other every once in a while, right? We know yeah. each other pretty well, but every once in a while we surprise ourselves. Some of the stuff I'm surprised by, but as I think about it, and it is, I, as I think about you and who you are and some of the stuff we've talked about, I guess I'm not so surprised. But when you first rattled off that list, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. So I'm really curious for you to go through your list and and describe how it impacts your life and how you're going to do something about it. Yeah, this one's important to me. I, I can see how you could think that about me in looking at what we talk
0: about on a weekly basis. But I fight this I'm not a very confident person to a lot of degree, which irritates me. Cause I can look at things and go, okay, if I put some awareness and mindfulness around that, and we'll talk negative you can look back. It's a great exercise too. And I'm gonna talk about how you overcome some of these things. But we do this in at work for annual reviews or looking at half, half the year, sometimes when you're in the middle of the fight, you don't really see the progress you're making. And I don't like doing this. I always fight it and I procrastinate, but when we're asked to sit down and write down your accomplishments for whatever time period, last six months or for the year. I go, wow, I, I have had some impact. So I think that's a great exercise to reflect back to look back at your successes. Yeah, look back and celebrate them. So one of the things, I I highlighted a few things. There's a bunch of things that you can do to help with your negative self-talk. The ones that I picked out here, awareness and mindfulness, challenge and reframe negative thoughts, practice self-compassion, focus on solutions and growth, keep a gratitude journal, which is something I have been really good at lately, And set realistic goals and celebrate your progress. Any of those ring
1: true to you? They do. They do. I think about the thing that stands out most to me is the gratitude mindset. Not that I don't have one, but I struggle with thinking about specifics, Mm -hmm. the things I'm specifically grateful for. Right. It's almost so much or so encompassing that I don't know how to pick one, one specific one. And I've tried the Gratitude Journal, Kurt, Yeah, and I get hung up, and I don't know where the mind block is for that, uh, but I get hung up. I think it's a great exercise, and all for the
0: reason that you just said. Why should it be difficult? Because there are so many things, and I was listening to a podcast about, and we've talked a little bit about this when I was asking you that money is the root of all evil, if that's a a belief that you hold or you think you're uncomfortable with your income, but think about the average income around the world compared to us here in the United States. Right. We're easily in the top 2%. Right. There's no comparison to what we have, the resources we have, the freedom we have to earn. You go on and on. If you look at, I think it's really great to just, Thank you for, and be grateful for the income that you're getting right now from the the work that you do.
1: And often you forget about that. So I, I read a book many years ago. Maybe it has been many years ago. Gosh, time flies by, and I think I mentioned this last week by Hal Elrod called Miracle Morning, right? Oh no, Miracle Equation, where he talks about putting, putting together affirmations and things like that. And what I did is I one of the things, one of the affirmations that I put together is I'd listed how much money I'm being paid that day by my company. Mm-hmm. How much am I being paid that day? Which means in exchange for these eight to ten hours that I'm putting in, the company is giving me this much money. And my affirmation was they're giving me this much money. I intend to return That in tenfold today. Now, how I did that and what I did with that information, I don't know if it always worked, but at least it set my mind in such a way that I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for X amount of dollars today. I'm setting myself up to follow the rule of reciprocity to return that value tenfold. So I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful for that money today. Today right now my company's paying me x right. amount of dollars. Don't lose it's pretty awesome that.
0: man. I think that exercise puts me in a fantastic mood for the day. Also reading positive things. Here's you know challenge think about your negative talk. Recognize it and challenge those thoughts like I can't do it. We we're saying that's the worst thing to ever say and reframe that. And I have a specific example for this, but I may face challenges, but I have the skills and determination to overcome them. There, there was, and I had some self-doubt about learning new technology, which is quite interesting if you know me. And now I can look back on how many times I've been lost in trying to learn a new technology. And then it finally clicks and i become the expert in it at some point.
1: Yeah. You're about is technological of a guy that I know. Yeah. But what's most impressive, and I'm going to wave Kurt's banner here again this week. What's most impressive about your technological process is you have a great troubleshooting process that boils things down to the root cause pretty quickly. You've helped me with some stuff that I thought to myself, how did I not think to follow that process? That's because Kurt is Kurt. Thank you. I had, I was moving from one company to
0: another because I lost my job at the company was going bankrupt and I got involved with a recruiter that this company I was looking at, put me in touch with. Luckily I had the job already through something. Maybe I've already talked about this. I had a friend there and I had to interview with the manager, but this recruiter said something to me, you ever have someone say something to you that like just sticks with you forever. And he said, Kurt, maybe he sensed my anxiousness about making this change into another company. That's, that's a big anxiety going from one company to another and what the job you're going to be doing. Plus I was going on a six month contract with no proof or guarantee of continued employment. That's nerve wracking when you have three miles to feed at home. Mm -hmm. But he said, have you ever had a, technical problem that you didn't solve at work how profound i don't know if you reframe that or that anyone cared about that even if you didn't solve it it didn't matter you could just go another direction and i went oh my gosh that is a great way to reframe something Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, yeah so i would say break down look for solutions look where you can grow and just break it down to smaller tasks and and be more realistic in your goals. You ever look at a project, the guy in the gold show the other day goes, they were fixing this piece of equipment. And he said, I think we could do this in a couple hours. And then four hours later, you're still
1: hammering at it. Right? Well, there's a law. Is it, I don't, is it Parkinson's law? I don't know what, I don't know what the rule is, but I'm not going to go down that who named. but the rule is basically you can accomplish much more in one year than you could have ever, than you can ever imagine. Wow. And much less in one day than you can ever imagine.
0: <laughs> Very true. I like that. All right. My second one is the fear of rejection or criticism. I don't think you're surprised I put that one down because I've talked about that a lot.
1: Yeah. On your podcast, Geeking on WDW, found at com. <laughs> there's your plug for the day. On your podcast, I know that you, when you have a lot of positive reviews, right. a lot of hundreds. Reviews. Over 500. But when when you get that one negative review every once in a while, it tweaks you, man. It's like somebody just punched you in the face. That's a great analogy because
0: not only did they punch me in the face, but I can't punch back. I can't defend myself. That's what's frustrating about it. Right. I'll talk about how you can, a little bit of ideas of how to get through this. But I, I was thinking of a quote and I did do a search and found this. In my twenties, I was worried about what everyone thought about me. In my thirties, I stopped worrying about what everyone thought about me. In my forties, I realized nobody was thinking about me. <laughs> exactly, Zadie exactly. Smith. Don't you feel like people are always criticizing you or
1: watching what you're doing? Or it's funny. I'm. I don't mean to sound. I don't mean. I hope this doesn't sound arrogant. But the truth is we are the center of our own universe. Yes. Just look around you. If you look all the way around you, look at your universe, physically, look at the, look at your universe. You're right in the center of your own universe, right? Yeah. You can't get away from it. You're right. We are the center of our very own universe. And sometimes we can, we can think that we're the center of others universe as well. And people aren't thinking about you as much as you, you think that they're (laughs) thinking about you. In fact,
0: they're not thinking about you at
1: all. They'll say at flip all. It, They'll say flip at things
0: that hurt you, burn you, and they've moved on to the
1: next thing. They had they could. Or you might say something to them, yeah, and you're up all night worrying about how they took it. Did they take yeah. it the wrong way? Did I say that in the? How? were are they thinking about that? And they probably didn't even hear you. Yeah, they don't care about so you true. at all. Most of the time. It's how we allow people to <laughs> to. And this is really it, how we allow people to influence our actions based on what we think they're going to think is such a strong force in our life. Mm. Maybe we don't want to be embarrassed by something, or maybe we don't want to be ridiculed or whatever it might be. And I think embarrassment and ridicule fall on your list there somewhere. It's a separate issue. Yeah. But what people think about us is worrying about what people think about us. <laughs> it's a of thought. It's a waste, but it can be paralyzing. Yeah,
0: exactly. I was thinking Chris and Brandy, who talked about their 10 tips for marriage, covered this a little bit. It's a little more important when you're married to someone
1: that you get some clarity and agreement. So if you're not listening to Chris and Brandy's podcast, their podcast on marriage, Prime Marriage is the name of their podcast. And I think their website is, I know their website is primemarriagepodcast.com. Check it out. Chris has a great sense of humor and Brandy is well grounded and has some really, I like the way she thinks. So check it out. We, we appreciate having them on the show and their podcast is pretty cool. But what were you saying about them? Oh, I'm going down this road of
0: criticism. You might say something that hurts someone else or someone says something to you again, if it's just someone you don't really know, like those (laughs) trolls out there on the internet that criticize your work, try to reframe that rejection or criticism and look for growth opportunity and learning. And I've, I'm an analytical person, so I've done pretty good with this, Joe, I think. Even I think of someone who said something positive about my podcast, but they said, I interrupt too much in my interviews. Now, Great example there because, yes, I do. But as as I listen to other people who are professional interviewers, they do it too. Certainly. And I pay attention more to that now. It's something that I listen for. Through my training of Toastmasters, they train you to listen to ahs and ums. And I very much, from the beginning of my podcasting, tried to edit those out. It's difficult to try to keep them out of your own speech, but it's nice doing editing to get them out. Absolutely. But look for that, even though you took a maybe a little bit of attack and a, a notch down, there's no reason why I can't improve on my interruption so that I do. I think they're being a little bit harsh when they do that. They'll
1: give you like a one-star review. Because you interrupt too much, yeah. Because they don't like you. there are probably other Disney podcasters just trying to pull you down, because <laughs> they hate you. Sorry, no. that doesn't help them. <laughs> Separate that rejection from
0: self-worth. Is a is another strategy. Practice resilience. Learn to bounce back from setbacks. Understand that not every opportunity will be perfect fit and not everyone will appreciate your efforts. Practice resilience and keep moving forward. I've heard you say that before, Joe. And we end every
1: show that way, right? <laughs> All right. The last one I'm going to talk about limiting beliefs about money. Hmm. This can be a touchy subject, right? Yeah. Matter of fact, I don't even like talking about it. That's That's how limiting it is (laughs) that you can't even talk about it. Kurt, you bring up a good point. It it is humorous, but you bring up a good point that it's such a limiting belief for some of us that we can't even talk about it. We can't even talk about money. We can't talk about something uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't even like to talk about how much they spent on dinner at a restaurant or they have you ever talked to somebody and. They'll buy something. Here's an interesting mindset about money. Let's say somebody buys something nice. Okay. I have a lot of people in my life that are like this, and I might be a little bit like this too, but they'll buy something nice. Let's take a microphone. And instead of just saying, man, I I bought this new Heil PR40 microphone, somehow you have this limiting belief. People have this limiting belief about money that, oh my gosh, what are people going to think about how much I spent on this expensive microphone? And so you say, "Hey man, I I bought this nice this uh, high LPR440 microphone. I got such a good deal on it. It was twenty percent off on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They gave me free shipping, and they threw in a cord and a holder as well." Because we have this limiting belief about money that says, if I make a if I spend money on something, I have to justify it somehow to the person I'm talking to that. Mm -hmm. I didn't spend a whole lot of money on it because we don't want it to sound like we're braggadocious about money or we have all this money to to spend, right? Yeah.
0: I had that feeling when I bought my red Dodge Charger 2015 and most money I ever spent on a car. I had that fear too, Joe. And people were, it's a good-looking car. I got a lot of compliments. People would always I'm at the gas station or People would give me a thumbs up as I drove by. It's not a Corvette
1: or a Lamborghini or anything. Yeah, but a Charger is a pretty cool car. Just generally, it's a cool car. I, I've rented a Charger a couple times, and I get the same thing until they realize it's a rental, and I don't own it. So they're not as complimentary to me. I had some... I And the way you feel about cars, I shouldn't talk to you
0: about my red Charger, who buys... I'm a utilitarian when it comes
1: to cars. <laughs> Absolutely. I
0: pretty much, I, I was my whole life. That's part of this thing too, Joe. And, but when I very much needed to get a new car and I felt guilt, I was looking at the, the Chargers. Again, going back to that reticulator thing, I was driving up from Florida. I was noticing, okay, I think I'm interested in Chargers. There was a lot of rentals. I think I, re- oh, I rented one too. And I was driving around looking and I was like, And a lot of the police cars are the chargers. You start seeing them on the road all the time. And I was like, boy, I think I'd really like to get a charger. And I I think Margita would be into it, my wife. I think she she was definitely on board with that purchase. But I had guilt for it. And I didn't get the, you can, there's all kinds of different models there. You could spend up and down. There's, they have a lot of different engine types. I ended up getting the all-wheel drive, but it's got 300 horsepower. And it's got the sporty look on it. But anyways, I did. Why did I? And then I'll tell you, I dealt with that a little bit in my head. Dude, you're 50 years old. It's okay. You've worked. You've provided for your family. If this is the one thing that you're going to spend more money than buying the rental car kind of car that Joe gets. (laughs) He's laughing at me. Easy now. (laughs) You don't have to buy the whole utilitarian. You could be a little... Rambunctious with your purchase here. It's okay.
1: Well, I got wheel covers on my car, so that's
0: good. <laughs> if you're gonna be, if you're gonna lose it in a flood, eventually, I guess it.
1: Uh, it's interesting that about this, Kurt, because we do have these limiting beliefs about money and the the cars that we buy and the how we spend our money and how much we make can certainly be paralyzing somehow. But what do you think are some of the main limiting beliefs about money and how they lock us up? I got to dig into this, why I
0: have this problem. This is, and I'm reading here, examine the origin of these beliefs. They're influenced by family, society, past experiences. That could be any of these beliefs. Try to figure out where is it coming from? I think if you were not born with money, like many of us were, My, I came from a blue collar family. You, you get a lot of conditioning, I think, fr- from your family. I always thought about this too. I hate to bring Disney World up all the time, but I would love to bring someone who's brought up in a disadvantaged family, uh, economic, challenged way. I just always had this feeling, if if you could see the other side, mm. if you could just experience a little more belief and hope. To me, Disney World was that kind of place. When I went there the first time, I went. Because we, my, both my wife and I, We talked about this. Our families really didn't have the ability to go on a vacation in Florida to Disney World. It just wasn't, I think, available to us. We'll just put it that
1: way. Yeah. we didn't have the means. I didn't have
0: the means to do it. I, I grew up the same way. So you go down there and you go, oh, my gosh. Like your whole perspective, if I use the word belief again, how did somebody
1: do this? It also taps into a, we've used this word over the past couple of podcasts, though. It also taps into a whimsical mindset and a possibility mindset and a mindset that allows you to dream yeah. about possibility. Yeah. If
0: you don't believe you can do it, but if you could hang around with some people that have done it
1: and figure out how they think. Now, here's a limiting mindset. You want to talk about this for a second? Yeah. Because this connects. If you could hang around people that have done it, meaning if you could hang around people who are wealthy, have managed their money well, right. have made good investments, are not afraid of making a profit, know how to make a profit. Here's, a, here's the next limiting belief. And this is that kind of rabbit hole we go down. Ah, none of those people would want to hang out with me. Yeah, I wouldn't fit in. Right? I wouldn't fit in. None of those people would want to hang out. Why would they want to share any of their information with me? Or, I have nothing to offer them. Or I think I grew up with this. I hated rich people.
0: Mm. Like there was a town next to us, beautiful homes, old New England, the picturesque Norman Rockwell town next to the town that was a factory town
1: that I grew up in
0: on the river. I despised those people. Right. Don't you? So you think yeah, those you people, held a lot of resentment yes. towards them. Yes. Mm. Which worked well in my sports endeavors. That was a motivating factor for me. Yeah. To tear up those rich folks. Yeah. Or you have this belief that rich people are arrogant, nasty,
1: got there by cheating. And so if you have money, then you automatically are a person who's arrogant and got there by cheating and hoity-toity. And you put yourself above others. Yeah. So there's a roadblock there. You don't want to be a person that's arrogant. Yeah. You don't want to be a person that cheats. You don't want to be a person that holds money to a higher value than humanity. You don't want to be a person like that. So the easiest way to do that is not to have any money. Yeah.
0: But have you ever met somebody that's quite wealthy? That is like the most amazing person you've ever met before.
1: I've had a few opportunities. Where I've met people that were very famous, but I didn't know they were famous. In fact, I didn't even know who they were. Mm -hmm. And I would come back and tell somebody I met this person. In fact, there's a guy by the name, a guy named Ludacris. He's a rapper. Mm -hmm. And I met him on a plane. We had a thoughtful, deep, interesting conversation with each other. And I found out later that this is a millionaire rapper and this guy was as down to earth talking about his family problems talking about his kids talking about how he doesn't want to be away from them right. talking about <laughs> business in such a way that's man i just working my butt off and just a guy experiencing <laughs> problems and victories and we had a couple we had a couple really deep interactions in this little bit a little bit of time and yeah and i've had that happen a couple times
0: so, I guess what we're talking about here is reframe those beliefs. See if there's another side that's more productive. There are people that are very wealthy that are very generous too. And I've seen that firsthand. It's
1: pretty awesome. So, you could be that person or I could be that person. So, we many times we have a scarcity mentality about money. Yeah. That if I will, if I spend the money that I have, I'll never get it back. It's gone forever. Mm. It'll never be returned. Can I give you a small example of this, Kurt, that just happened to me this week while I was traveling? I was taking a shuttle bus to and from the airport, to and from my hotel, back and forth to the airport. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And I always like to give those guys a couple dollars tip. Now, they're just driving me to five minutes or 10 minutes, 15 minutes to the airport and maybe driving my back, but I always like to give him a couple dollars tip. But I looked at my wallet and all I had was a $10 bill. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to be able to leave my tip. I'm not going to give him $10. (laughs) My gosh, $10. I'm a $10 tip. Just taking me to the (laughs) shuttle bus. Right. But then something kicked in with me and said, Joe, be generous. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to, you don't have to calculate this in, in your head about how much value that this guy has brought to you. So you're going to limit it to a certain amount, be generous. And so I gave, I put $10 in his bucket and he was surprised and he was very thankful. And I Hmm. said, have a good day. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. I'm saying that because that's not who I am. Yeah. Typically. Right. But I know we've been having these conversations and I know that mindset is very important Yeah, and action based on mindset is very important. So if I want to eliminate scarcity mentality about money, mm-hmm. I have to act that way. Yeah. That's a great example. I love it. I've had that same feeling.
0: I'll just leave it. The last thing I'll just say is I hate dealing with money too. I, my wife pretty much manages the money and I want to get more into it. I want to get more education in this place, especially as we're getting towards that. Well, we may talk about this sometime. I don't know if retirement is the right word because I hate that word. I don't think I'll ever retire in the traditional sense. But I'd like to get more education and knowledge around that area. And that that is something that will help. That's a great strategy for limiting the beliefs Mm -hmm. about money. That's my three, Joe. We'll talk about yours. You'll come up with some things. And we'll continue to talk about these self-limiting beliefs so let's roll through your three one more time, just to remind us. Negative self-talk, fear of rejection or criticism, and limiting beliefs about money. These are So from
1: that list of 12, those are your top three. Three I wanted to pick and talk about. Okay. If you had to pick one of those to really work on over the next 30 days, what would you pick? I've already decided I want to work on the, the money piece. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So let's chat about that as we go. Maybe check in with each other, see how we're doing. And I'll do the same next week. All right. Fair enough. I like it. Awesome. How about the community? What's going on in the Dudes in Progress
0: community, Kurt? So I noticed, I don't know where I talked about this. It might have been our podcast or another one that I do. But our friend Kevin Curtis Allen said he's going to be in Disney World in a fortnight. And then this morning I noticed he said he's going to be there. He must have listened to something I said on a podcast and said, Kurt Stone doesn't know this, but I've only got half a fortnight before I'm in Disney World. (laughs) I said, Doggone it, I'm gonna look that up, Joe. And a fortnight is a term used for a period of two weeks or fourteen days. I've been hearing that forever and I never researched it.
1: So there you go, guys. Kevin Curtis Allen saves the part of the Disney Progress community. Kevin Curtis Allen has taught you a lesson. (laughs) And I awesome. will be so proud of myself. I'm going to tell him
0: when I see him in half a fortnight. Awesome. <laughs> awesome.
1: What's your win for the week, Joe? I just got off a business trip to Wisconsin. First of all, Wisconsin, this time of year is gorgeous. It's just starting to turn fall. The Northern parts of Wisconsin are just turning, are, are almost there, but you can see the trees are are on fire with mm. the color of their leaves and it's just gorgeous up there. But my win for the week is a very successful trip to mm. Wisconsin. Nice. I achieved all of my objectives, met the customers I needed to meet, solved the problems I needed to solve, unco- uncovered many of the problems, that many problems that I didn't know were there so we can take action on them because you don't want problems to fester, right? Mm. And met some really good people that not only will will help me in in my work life but I think they'll be friends for a long time. Yeah, very successful trip to Wisconsin. Planned it out well. Got all the proper people engaged and had my tools in place, not literal tools, but my sales tools, I guess you would call them, and had a very successful trip.
0: I'm so happy. Your win for the week has been multiplying since you've moved into your new job.
1: Seems like things are going really well, so I'm excited for you, Joe. Definitely. I'll travel a lot. I have to be careful here and call me out on this, Kurt. I'll travel a lot for my work, and but I can't use a successful business trip for every single win for the week. But this was good. This was a good win for the week.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go into what I'm doing, too, a little bit for work. I'm getting ready. You know when you're going on vacation, you want to have it, all your ducks in a row and not leave anything hanging if possible. So I've been with my side gigs. My I, I edited three podcasts. This week, which is an uptick in what I normally do. Recorded one for Patreon. I got a project I've been working on and struggling with. I got 90% of that done. So I got the rest of next week to finish that up. Really happy where I'm at so I can go off into Florida with hopefully nothing hanging and everything as done as
1: I possibly can. So that was my win for the week. Awesome. Awesome. How about a resource? I'm not sure if this is a resource or not. And I'm not, I don't remember sharing it on the show. And if I have just act like I haven't. All right. I set up three new rules for my phone, primarily rules for where I take my phone. I just noticed that I'm using, that I'm looking at my phone way too often and I'm not engaged in the moment, mainly with the people that I'm with, but also with the environment and the experience I'm not engaged because of my phone. Yeah. You're distracted. Distracted. Yeah. So there are three places that I said, okay, I'm never going to take my phone to these three places. Again, the first one is restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take my phone into a restaurant. The only caveat to that is if I'm going to the restaurant by myself and I Mm -hmm. have work that I need to do in the restaurant, but for the most part, I'm never going to take a my phone into the into a restaurant anymore. And I've been doing that and wow, what a difference it has made. I'm not look even stuff like I wonder how they make this food or I wonder what mm-hmm. this food what's the origin of this food. So I'll get on my phone and I'll look it up <laughs> thinking that somehow that's enhancing the experience. <laughs> or an idea will come to my head about something to buy on Amazon. So I'll pull my phone out and buy it. Yeah. Instead of being engaged in the conversation with a person that I'm with or the people that I'm with and experiencing that in real life, a relationship without the influence of information that you, that it's at your fingertips right now, right? Like the old days. Yeah. Like the old days or taking a picture of my food or letting my friends on Facebook know I'm at this particular (laughs) restaurant with these particular people. Now there's some good to that. I like that stuff. I like to read about where people are eating and the experiences that they've had. But for me, Kurt, yeah. it takes away from the experience. I love this, Joe. You talked about this on your podcast, the Simple Joe podcast that you could find at simplejoe.com. Actually, let me correct you there. The Simple Joe.com. The, okay. the Simple Joe.com. My Here's apologies. Simplejoe.com. The Simple Joe.com. Huh. So that's restaurants. I, I, I stopped taking it into restaurants. I stopped taking it into church. Hmm. Now, many times when I'm in church, I'll take an image of the screen because they have a, a, yeah. a an interesting message up there yeah. and I'll post that or I'll take it to remember. But a lot of times I'm checking email. Mm. A lot of times I'm sending a text, right? A lot of times I'm looking at Facebook. A lot of times I'm doing something that I, that, that church isn't that I didn't come to church for. Now, again, my phone can be a good tool, but I decided to, I'm not going, I've decided that I'm not going to take my phone into church anymore. Mm. And finally, I'm not taking my phone to bed. I'm not having it at my, on my nightstand. I'm not having it sitting on the pillow sometimes that I have when I'm, I'm listening to a podcast or looking up something or reading something right before I go to bed. I'm not taking my phone to bed. It's in the same room because I use it as an alarm sometimes, but I have to, if I want to look at my phone, I have to get up and look at my phone. It's not going to be right there mm-hmm. in bed with me. So I'm not taking it in bed because bed is designed for a couple of things, right? (laughs) And a phone's not one of them. Looking at your phone is not one of them. So I decided I'm not taking my phone to bed anymore. So no more restaurants, no more church, no more bed. Those are my new rules for my phone. I know this was long and expanded, but that's my resource for the week. No more phones in restaurants, church or bed. And I heard you say this
0: on simple Joe, and I love that topic. That is a fantastic don't take it in the, don't look at it in the car either. Okay, Joe? That's, a, that's something for me. To you can add to. that one. Add number four. Great advice. How my, about yours? So following along with the fear of money in my education area, I, I did a little search on where some resources and I found, and I'd heard about this on a podcast a while ago, com, And I started just getting there, reading there this morning. One article really caught my eye. He's got this where to start or some of the classics that he's written a blog post about. He's even got an app for his content. Very well known. Great news. Early retirement doesn't mean you'll stop working. And so that particular article I like. So my resource, I will use this one and others. And here's the thing. Like we talked little mini things do a little bit every day. In this area that you want to work on, and this is the area on my financial education that I want to go down and taking actions in those areas. Perfect, Mister Money Mustache. Is it Mr. dot yep. com? Yes, that's the one. I'll check it out. Looks like a okay. fun and he's got whimsical content. So maybe he'll make learning about money not so. Tedious,
1: boring, or frustrating. You can tell by the name. Right. It's maybe fun and whimsical Whimps- Mr. Money Mustache. That's awesome. What, that's why I'm going to check it out. What's your quote for the week, Joe? I love reaching back to Abraham Lincoln. I do. I, I, I think he has some really good quotes. Some of them are funny. Some of them are profound. I like this one because of the subject matter that, that we're discussing. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Hmm. Abraham Lincoln. There you go. Your actions. Yeah. So if, if you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, decide what's going to happen tomorrow or right. to make it happen <laughs> right now. We can't control everything, right? But we can control what we can control. Yeah. And if we can control it, we can create it. And if we can create it, we can make it happen. There's so many times you want to do something. You just don't do it. You just, I,
0: I always say the morning, if there are things that all these distractions are getting in the way of you doing it. Get it done early. Tony-Ann talked about that in hers. Mm-hmm. So 90% of that program she's doing in the morning. Get it done. Make it happen, right, Joe? The best way to predict the no. future is to create it. We may have I may have done this quote before. I apologize if I have, but it was so perfect. And it's okay to reiterate on good quotes. Heck yeah. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values.
1: Your values become your destiny. Mahatma Gandhi. That progression is so true, and it's so true for the ages. That's how we move forward in life, mm-hmm. just through that exact progression. Love that quote. I think that puts the law of attraction in its place. Definitely. Definitely. Take us out, Joe. Oh. Well our website of course is dudes in progress there you'll find a way to connect with connect with us go to our Facebook page and so many so much more other than for recent episodes <laughs> but anyway I'm going to have to figure out a way to fix that because it's getting out of hand and if you want to connect with us directly dudes at dudes dudes at dudes and if you want a direct link to our Facebook page just go to dudes slash facebook dudes in progress.com slash facebook and there you'll interact with the dudes in progress community so as we roll out kurt throughout this next week remember progress is better than perfection let's keep moving forward
0: joe i heard a interview with aaron Rodgers during for the first football game he said something i'll quote him speak it into existence so think about it Talk it out loud, and let's get it done next week, okay, Joe? I don't want to be Aaron Rodgers right now. He's got a rough week. Oh, I know. It was what a tragedy. <laughs> I hope he, didn't, hope he didn't speak his injury into existence. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, talk to you soon.